0: Hey y'all, welcome to Adventures with Aggie brought to you by Coco's Coffeehouse. Today we're starting an exciting new series where Adventures with Aggie is diving into Cirque du Soleil. Today we're starting with Laura Ann Chong. She's a former Oregon State gymnast and she's an acrobat in Cirque. She's going to tell us all about her story, how she went from gymnastics to being an acrobat, and how she found the opportunity with Cirque. So please welcome Laura Ann. Alay, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good, thanks, Aggie. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I'm excited to learn more about you and your story. But first, can you just kind of give me some background on who you are and what you do? I am Laura Ann.
1: I grew up here in Vancouver, Canada. And um, ever since I was little, two years old to be exact, I started gymnastics. And so uh, that has been a huge part of my life I was competing already I think at like five or six years old and then I got fast-tracked into the elite program. Um, eventually I was a uh, 2004 Olympic alternate for Canada which was really cool. Um, and kind of growing up, I kind of just had two main goals in terms of gymnastics. One was to go to the Olympics and one was to get a scholarship um, in the NCAA. So I eventually got a scholarship with Oregon State University and competed with them for four years and um, became Pac-10 champion. Back then it was Pac-10s, not Pac-12s. <laughs> and uh, and, um, and all of my, uh, two-time All-American as well. So it was really cool. I loved that experience, absolutely loved it. Um, but then yeah, after, after that, I didn't really have any future goals for gymnastics because we kind of always just assume it's for young people Um, nowadays you are seeing women in their 20s in the Olympics but when I was competing it was like really an outlier if you saw anyone older than 20 years old right so um, so yeah my focus was actually on physiotherapy and I wanted to go to physio school and um, I took a minor in psychology as well Um, but when I graduated and went back to Canada and tried to get into grad school I actually didn't get in and so for physio um, at the time there was only about 10 physio schools up here in Canada, super competitive. And, um, you have to wait like a whole year to reapply if you don't get in the first time around. So I was kind of like, what do I do now? And my body felt great. So I felt like, uh, trying for, this was in 2011, cause I took a fifth year in graduation school or sorry, fifth year to graduate. And, um, so yeah, I hadn't done gymnastics in like over a year. And I decided to try for 2012 Olympics. And then um, halfway through that, it was like, uh, I don't really feel like I'm mentally in the game and like that discipline to to really pursue. I knew exactly what was needed. So that's when I started noticing surface delay. That's what I've been up to, which has been awesome.
0: That sounds like so much fun, first of all, um, but I kind of let's backtrack just a little bit. So like at what point in your life did you realize that you needed sport and like this was going to be your thing?
1: I mean, uh, because I got thrown into gymnastics at such a young age, I don't know if there was ever really a realization per se of, oh, I'm really missing out if I don't do sport. There was definitely um, an identity that I had growing up, like I was always Laura and the gymnast, even with my classmates, um, because I actually, I think it was starting in grade four, I started leaving school early to go and do training. Um, And so I was always known as the gymnast, the gymnast, or the one who's going to go to the Olympics. And, you know, and (laughs) I remember at a young age in PE, when we did have like our gymnastics unit, of course, I was always the the demo or whatever, if we were doing relays, people would always want me on their teams. But um, yeah, I I actually didn't, uh, I I was lucky because a lot of elite gymnasts, they kind of either have to pursue homeschooling or a specific like sports school um, that will have a little bit more flexible schedules. But I was lucky where I was able to stay with the public school system and just had really supportive teachers and principals. So yeah, in terms of like realizing, I mean, there were definitely moments where I was like, I don't think I could do anything other than gymnastics. But uh, there was never
0: a part where I was just like, oh, yeah, I need to get into sports because I was already involved at a young age. I can tell you I was not the one to be asked to do those demos in PE. It was (laughs) not me.
1: (laughs) I mean, it was literally only for gymnastics. Like, you I, there was a time and actually on Facebook I'm still friends with my um one of my teachers and I remember she gave me a B in PE and I was just like what it was the only B I got like a straight A student and it was just like <laughs> and um to this day actually she she commented on because I posted something about my disability like, journey and she goes I'm gonna say I contributed to this because of the B I gave you in PE <laughs> and it just helps like spark of fire and inspiration and motivation for you. I was like, okay, you tell yourself that. But really, (laughs) it's just because I'm afraid of like balls and I'm so bad with like hand-eye coordination.
0: Oh my gosh, that's funny. Maybe you needed that push. Maybe you didn't know it, but you need that. That was it. (laughs) Yeah, she takes full credit. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love that. Awesome. Well, let's see, moving on um, from your grade school days, how did you land at Oregon State?
1: So actually... When I was at probably like grade 10, sorry, 10th grade, because I know you're in the States, <laughs> you guys flip it. But um, I think it was like around 10th grade, uh, one of my coaches was really good um, friends with the gymnastics coach at the time at Cal Berkeley. And so I had a um, verbally committed to go to Cal at one point. And uh, of course, like, as I mentioned earlier, in Canada, we don't know, or at the time, we didn't know a lot about the differences in the universities. We didn't know a lot about the programs, so I was going purely based on recommendation and, you know, the vicinity of having a connection with a coach. And um, obviously, being in California is on the West Coast, so not too far from my family. Um, and my dad was like ecstatic that it was Berkeley, of course, because it's such an amazing school. Um, But that ended up falling through because the coach ended up leaving and um, because it was a verbal commitment, they gave me the option to like either stay with it or else um, look elsewhere. But this was, I think, either at like the end of my grade 11 year. So it was pretty late in the recruiting game. Um, So a lot of the scholarship opportunities that I had, um, you know, had been offered uh, obviously were full by then. And it was kind of like a quick hustle. Um, but luckily the coaches at Oregon State, um, Tanya and Michael Chaplin, they like got on it right away, and they contacted me (laughs) as soon as possible, and I love Oregon. Um, We used to to camp there all the time as kids, so I knew the the state, you know, and really enjoyed that environment, Um, and I had absolutely no idea what Corvallis was or where it was or (laughs) anything like that, so going from like San Francisco Bay Area, huge school to this tiny college town. It was a little bit like what? But um, in the end, it was so perfect. I absolutely love Corvallis and Beaver Nation. And um, yeah, that's how I ended up at Oregon State. I love
0: it. I love it. I love that you loved it there
1: too. I was just gonna say one of my teammates at Oregon State, she also almost went to Berkeley. So we both almost were teammates either at Berkeley or at Oregon State. Um, So it was kind of to kind of have that connection as well
0: yeah oh my gosh that is that's so fun that's so fun it was like a little journey together (laughs) it all ended up working out in the end for sure yeah definitely definitely awesome well can you kind of just share some of your favorite memories at oregon state i know you all did a lot while you were there um but what were some of those highlights
1: i would say um because when i joined the program um first of all i was the first like international recruits for the team so it was quite different i mean even though it was only from canada to the states and not from you know from europe or elsewhere um there is still a lot of cultural differences so just trying to like uh i don't know uh allow the girls who were on the team to kind of open their minds up a little bit more internationally. I think like after my year, we always consistently had international recruits, um, which was really cool to diversify the team. Um, And then also just like, I remember our pink out meets, which are the meets that are dedicated for breast cancer awareness um, and everyone would wear pink. And it was always just like one of those special moments because we would get to invite um, breast cancer survivors um, out on the floor and introduce them and it was really dedicated to them and it was like a weekend event where there would be like silent auctions and um, these luncheons and stuff as well and I just remember I forget which year it was but one of the years it drew um, over 4,000 people to to that competition and uh, Gil Coliseum is pretty small but like when it's that full I mean, that's what like the basketball teams would get. So for gymnastics, it was a huge, like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And you just felt the energy and the love. And it was just like a really special moment. So I really loved that. Um, and then I guess another uh, competition was my senior year and it was at regional championships. And in gymnastics, the way it used to work was at regionals, the top two teams would advance to nationals. Um, and the third seeded team basically kind of, surprised everyone so Oregon State was second seed and we were also there with like the five-time reigning champion of Georgia and so it was kind of like oh obviously Georgia's going to go and then like we were second seeded so we were expected to go as well but the third seeded team like just totally blew it out of the water so they were actually first and then it came down to whether Oregon State or Georgia was going to advance and because it was my senior year I just remember being so stressed out because We had made nationals every year up until then. And it was just kind of like one of those moments, like, oh my gosh, like it came down to every single routine. And um, we actually were ending on a bye. So we just had to sit there and watch Georgia compete on beam. And so it was literally doing math after every routine, seeing what their score was, knowing exactly what they needed and that they were fully capable of getting those scores. And what ended up happening was by the time the last girl went we were in a tie with georgia and they can't <laughs> they can't just like get an extra team to nationals so they ended up having to go to a tie-breaking process and at this point we're just sweating like i'm getting so anxious just like reliving this moment as i tell this story but it was like um yeah it was really crazy but they ended up counting um, all six scores on each event uh usually for the team score you only count your top five um, and Georgia actually had a fall in one of the rotations, so we ended up advancing, and it was just incredible—an um, an incredible moment. And the fact that they were like five-time national champions and totally expected to also repeat that year, and then we ended up beating them out. So that was definitely like an amazing moment at to State.
0: Totally, I'm getting excited here just hearing about it,
1: <laughs> and <laughs> I will was, not so here.
0: like, Whoo! <laughs> <laughs> I love it, I love it. Awesome. Well, sounds like you had fun. Um, but after that, you said you didn't really have a plan. But when did you find Cirque, and kind of how did this opportunity come about for you?
1: As I mentioned, like after I graduated and all that, um, it was during that 2011-2012 season um, where I was at an international meet in in Montreal, and um, of course the Cirque du Soleil headquarters are in Montreal, and so that competition in particular is heavily sponsored by Cirque so there was Cirque advertisements everywhere and um it was kind of like at that moment you know I was I think 22 years old at the time I was competing against all these like 16 17 year olds and it was just like I was in a different headspace than I knew I needed to be um in order to really go through the whole trial process and selector process for the 2012 Olympics and so it's kind of like one of those moments where I was like well I you don't know, think I really want to be competing but I do still want to do some something with my gymnastics abilities and I started talking to the physio who was there um at that competition and he actually was the head physio at Cirque um at the Cirque headquarters at one time and so that kind of started building that relationship and that like planting that seed in my head um and then I kept having some more conversations and one of the coaches who um was uh involved with this competition he knew me obviously throughout my gymnastics career and he was actually recruited to help create this um, uneven bars act which is the uneven bars act that I ended up performing in um, but it was a, a brand new act for surf they had never done an all-female um, bars act before let alone an uneven bars act usually they do the metal bar which is the one that the men. Um, compete on. So it was kind of really awesome to have him a part of that. And then he kind of introduced that idea to me and he was like, hey, get your demo in. I'm going to make sure someone sees it. Um, so I did that. And uh, I think it was like a few months later, I got invited to the CERC headquarters for their training program. Um, at the time, they had a, a program called Generation uh, General Formation. And that's when they kind of bring a bunch of potential acrobats, new acrobats in, Teach them different disciplines kind of prep them for when a contract does open because it's all about timing so um yeah i got to be a part of that and that was really special my first kind of shoe in with Cirque du Soleil
0: that's so fun i i love this i don't know what it takes you know to be in Cirque du Soleil but i'd imagine it's a lot <laughs> so i guess can you kind of just tell us about the training and things that it goes through i guess before performance time
1: Oh, when we're on tour, it's definitely different than the ones that are in resident shows. Um, I toured on a, in a big top show, which are the ones in the tents. So usually you're in one city for like uh, anywhere from a month to two months or so. And then from there um, you are doing eight to 10 shows a week uh, with only Mondays off. So it can get pretty grueling. Um, but in terms of training and prepping Um, On top of that, you still have to, you know, sometimes you'd have to come in and train before those shows. And so it's really one of those, uh, you learn how to kind of maintain your body throughout the week instead of for sport and competition. You might only be having a game or a competition once every like month, maybe, or two months or whatever, right? Obviously, uh, basketball and soccer and football, those can all be a little bit more (laughs) intense. But um, in gymnastics, uh, yeah, you're not competing that often. Um, so this is like you're on you're on 100% every day almost. Uh, so you do have to learn that, but um, we have physiotherapists on tour who help you with um, any kind of like free rehab um, strengthening anything that you need to really focus on. and we also hire like Pilates instructors and massage therapists to help out with recovery as well. so. uh, It can get really intense for sure. Like, especially some days when we're, um, we have a new artist that we need to help integrate when you're having to be there for a lot of rehearsals that might not be pertained to your act in particular, but the choreography and the flow of the show. So yeah,
0: it can get a lot, but it's, it's, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) That helps a lot, right? When you love it already and it's just, it makes all those long, long hours worth it, I'm sure. But definitely it's like, you know every time I was there it's like
1: oh I gotta go to work and I was like this is work right like we're playing in a circus and we get to dress up and put makeup on and um, play a totally different character and yeah it's and the the character that I had um, we were like female warriors of the island, so we were these fierce women and our show in particular um, it was called Amaluna. And it was its main focus was empowering women. And so it was, you know, 70% female cast and really an emphasis on like just celebrating women. And so that was really special to be a part of. And um, yeah, I think like our group in particular, we, because of our character and because we could be these strong women, whether we were short, tall, small, strong, you know, like everything, it, it really just helped us embody that.
0: For sure, for sure. How did you, or I guess, how do you feel like before you're about to perform? What's going through your mind? Is it everything or is it nothing? You know, you hear some people that are just like completely blank, like not thinking, (laughs) trying to focus. What's that like for you?
1: Um, I would say it depends which number of show it is of the week Uh, (laughs) because honestly, Sunday second show, especially after a 10 show week, so it's show number 10, you're pretty drained. So sometimes right before a show, you're just taking a nap, right? Like, it's just like, let me just get through this. But like, as soon as that um, curtain opens, then you're really just on point. You're in your character and in your element. And um, other times, uh, if you know, like it's the of a city. So it's like brand new, first show of the city. There's lots of energy that goes around there. You know, usually media comes. Um, if you know someone in the audience, that always helps you kind of as well, because it's like, it was exciting. I want them to have the best show. Um, if there's someone high up from Montreal, from headquarters coming, who like makes big decisions, of course you want to make sure that it's like <laughs> on point. Um, but uh, but yeah, I would say generally, like especially because our group of girls, our troop was like very close. Um, we would always have uh, this chance right before a show. And, um, one of them was just like, you know, whatever you are, whatever you do, be in love. And we would do that um, together. And it would just kind of bring everyone back, you know, because sometimes it can get really chaotic on tour, people might be out or have like a last minute sickness or whatever it may be. So there might be a lot of chaos of um, trying to change up the show and make sure of course the show must go on. Um, so it's just like a moment to like gather each other together
0: for sure for sure I think that probably helps a lot too if y'all are super close and you're with each other all the time right so <laughs> yeah gotta help.
1: literally all the time we call each other like our <laughs> tour family um there's 120 yeah. people like artists technicians um office management tour management chefs um sites technicians, everyone. So we really do become a family. And of course, with a family, you get along really good some days and some days you're just like, I need to be alone. <laughs> but, um, but
0: yeah, it's, it's a really great environment. I'm sure, I'm sure. So you've talked about the behind the scenes and what's going on, um, I guess for you and the team and everybody else. But if you're describing Cirque du Soleil to somebody who's never seen it before, how would you describe it? And what would you kind of tell them to expect?
1: Um, first I would ask them, you know, is it, you're going to a resident show or are you going to a tour show, um, in the big talk? Because what I always, uh, said is if you're going to the resident shows, it's like you are watching the show. It's a huge production. The stages and the theaters are absolutely incredible because Surf was able to create them for that specific show, but you are watching the show. If you go to a big top, you get to be a part of that show. Um, it's much more intimate. You know, there's 2,500 people that can be inside a big top. We're talking pre-COVID here, um, no social distancing. <laughs> um, but it's a much more intimate environment in which Cirque really can control absolutely every aspect of it, um, right from as soon as you like enter the parking lot, right? So. It's a very magical journey. It's the moment that can keep, make you escape whatever is happening in your in your life or in your circumstances. Um, and that's what I really enjoyed about being a part of Circus du Soleil, is creating that magical moment for people. And it's, it's heartbreaking because this past year is one of those years that probably everyone needed that the most and we couldn't provide that for them. Um, so, fingers crossed everyone, you know, behaves, you know, does all the um, precautions that they need to and we can get live entertainment back because it's just one of those things that needs to happen for, for everyone.
0: Definitely. I want to go see y'all now. I want to go to a show. I'm dying to go. We need to get it back.
1: <laughs> I know we need it back. And especially because like I remember com- um, performing in New York and yeah. we did it right outside the, uh, the baseball stadium. Yes. And it was just like, so cool because our apartments were like downtown Manhattan and really got to like enjoy that New York City life and I mean I grew up on on Gossip Girl and all that and the <laughs> second in the city and so I was just like oh I've just always wanted to live in New yeah. York and um so yeah that was really cool um, I think we were there for almost three months actually so that was really um, awesome to experience that
0: yeah we gotta get y'all back I can't wait yeah. <laughs> let's do it <laughs> awesome Um, uh, just a couple more for you but um this obviously you love this, right? This is your thing, you love it, you miss it. We want it to be back. Um, But can you just kind of talk about the impact that Cirque has had on you professionally and personally?
1: I would say, um, I'll start with personally. I would say that Cirque has really just kind of opened my eyes in terms of not putting yourself in a box. So what I mean by that is when I was a gymnast, it was like, oh yeah, by the time I'm 18, my elite career is over. I'm going to go do four years in MCAs, and then I'm done gymnastics. Like, that's just the end point, period. Um, Whereas in Cirque, you know, it's already like, oh my gosh, you're still, like, I still get messages from old teammates or gymnasts, and they're like, you're still doing flips? Like, how are you doing this? How is your body able to do this? And I also have been working with people and artists and performers who are in their 40s, you know, so it's really just pushing that whole idea of ageism and that like oh I'm too old to do that and it's like no really if you take care of yourself and you like become smarter train smarter um you really can just continue doing it right and it's all about like how much commitment do you want to do like I remember when I first joined cert after shows I wouldn't stretch after I would just like okay go home take off the makeup blah 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 but um Throughout the years, I realized, hey, if I take like 15 minutes after a show to actually stay and stretch, um, I felt so much better the next day, right? So it's just taking that moment to like really make sure that you're um, taking all the precautions. And um, I would make sure I would take, of course, take those massages. Massages were never hard to fill those slots, right? But like Pilates, I would make sure I was signing up two, three times a week as well. And um, doing ankle classes, doing everything to make sure my body was like its optimal. Um, state Uh, so yeah I would say like in terms of that just like opening your perception and not just being so closed minded about things Um, and then professionally as well like I really was able to kind of see because as I said on tour there's 120 of us but we're not all just artists and acrobats right so you really get exposure to all these different types of industries and career paths that you can do after Cirque. And um, Cirque was really great because they actually had this cross department training program for artists. So you can take advantage of like, hey, kind of doing like an internship with someone else who's in a different profession because they realize, yeah, you may not be able to be an acrobat the whole for your whole life, but afterwards you still have all this experience with the company and we want to help facilitate that and transfer that to something else. So um, I took advantage of that and got to shadow our publicist who was on tour and really start to like kind of explore the world of public relations and um, because of that I ended up taking a sabbatical and working with some of the publicists on some of the other tours Um, like at the time we were in South America with my with my show and then I took the sabbatical and I worked over in London At the Royal Albert Hall, I worked in, um, shadowed a bit in Paris and shadowed a bit in Miami as well with different shows. So it was just really cool to like, see all the different aspects of that side of it. And um, that, yeah, that really like inspired me and sparked me to wanna do this as a career. So um, yeah, fast forward to pandemic times and I ended up doing like a certificate program in public relations in the fall with Simon Fraser University here in Vancouver. And now I'm working for a PR agency, a PR agency here in Vancouver. So it's like really cool how that seed kind of planted a few years ago and into wow. fruition during the pandemic.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's that's really great, though, that there was that support there. And then it led you to this new chapter, I guess, that your new agency and things like that, which is really cool. Um, awesome. Let's see. Just last question for you. I, in all of my shows on advice. So what is one piece of advice you would give to your younger self?
1: I think, I think honestly, what I talked about earlier today, is just like not being so close-minded. Like I was very much, uh, I felt like everything had its plan already, right? Like I was like, I'm a gymnast. I'm going to the Olympics. I'm going to go get my scholarship. I'm going to compete in NCAA and then I'm going to go to physio school and become a physio and like that was just my one line. Um but then it was like even in university as we talked so like offline a bit, you know, the realm of like sports management came up or like athletic training. I didn't even know athletic training was its own separate profession um or I don't know like sociology like there were so many things that I learned about in university that I was kind of like oh my gosh this is really cool or even psychology you know like heavily considering that um which is why I ended up taking a minor in it because I was just so fascinated by by psych um but uh but yeah I think just being a little bit more open and like accepting of diverse topics and um, really kind of having that moment to explore Because once I didn't get into grad school, it just felt like the whole train derailed and I didn't really know what to do, right? Um, And even like with the pandemic hitting the live entertainment business and shows shutting down and, you know, um, having to take a pause as well. I had that moment as well, where it was just like, well, now what? But luckily I had put in a couple of years of interning in PR and it was something. Um, So I did have a few months of like, potato-ness where I was just like I'm not doing anything but thankfully due to like some random Facebook ad for this university um the program popped up at like the perfect moment and and yeah kind of like re-sparked that that motivation so so yeah I think just like be open to like trying new things and don't be so um so hard on yourself on trying to like do everything as expected even if it's not like your expectations
0: for sure that's proof that those Facebook ads work that's what that is (laughs) you know what it was so random because
1: often I never pay attention to them right like I think everyone just more or less just scrolls through them and it was just so random it was like perfect like right in front of my face it was one of those like movie moments that's just like (laughs) you know this lost girl and she's just I don't know in her head and whatnot and then just like This like ad pops up and it was just like perfect timing. It was a nine month program because I was like, I don't want to commit to like a two year program, you know? And um, it just had all the right elements of like having a practicum attached to it as well. So I could really just um, learn everything and then apply it right away instead of just like, okay, cool. I read all on paper and like did the text and stuff, but does it actually work
0: in real life? So yeah, that was really, it was just like one of those aha moments, I guess. That's perfect. I love it. Awesome. well, you're doing awesome things. And thank you so, so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you and your time. And yeah, I'm so excited to put this story out there. Um, Good luck with everything and with the podcast. And uh, yeah, thank you for having me. L.A., thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story. Tune in on Thursday morning to hear from another member of Cirque du Soleil named Lauren Hurley. She's a contortionist and a rope artist. Tune in on Thursday morning.